Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. Let's turn there together, Ephesians chapter 5. I'd like for us to begin reading there in verse 8. Ephesians 5 and verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness, or sometimes in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving, testing what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest, are brought out into, made open by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In our text in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The context here, of course, is the Holy Spirit's control, the filling of the Spirit, the control of the Spirit. In verse 30, we're told not to grieve the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, we're commanded to be filled or controlled by the Spirit. And one of the evidences here of being controlled by the Holy Spirit, in other words, being spiritual, we often use that term, that person is a spiritual person, they're a godly person. One of the key evidences that a person is spirit-controlled is, or a spiritual person is that they are a thankful person. And so I'd ask you to use that as kind of the barometer, the thermometer, the gauge of your own spiritual life tonight and ask yourself the question, how do I rank in this department of thankfulness. Now, admittedly, this is quite a tall order when we read that verse. It's one of those verses tucked away that we can kind of stumble over it, giving thanks for all things in Christ Jesus, for this is the will of God, and blah, blah, blah. We can just go along. But I, I want you to pause and go back and just back up and look at what this verse is saying. Notice the context or the boundaries of our thanksgiving. It is fenced in for us for all things. Now, immediately someone will say, that cannot be realistic. You cannot be telling me that as a spiritual believer, as a godly person, I am to thank God for everything in my life. Well, I point you to the scripture. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, giving thanks always for all things. Well, we must have help here. This is truly a spiritual thing, isn't it? This is a deep thing. This is a difficult thing. It is a command. He's not saying if you get around to it, if you feel like it, it might be a good idea. We live in such a tentative society. Do you listen to the way people talk? Kind of, sort of, maybe, maybe so. It's just so tentative about everything. But the scriptures are not that way. They're very definite. Here is a command. You are to give thanks for all things always. Is a command of the apostle, and anything that we're commanded to do, we should do. And anything we should do, we can do. With every command of the Lord, 
the divine enablement accompanies it. And so we have the grace is already supplied for the obedience of the command. And so the, the duty of us is to find, Lord, show me that grace. Give me that grace. Help me to fulfill this command in my life. With every command that God gives us comes the abounding grace to meet that obligation. This is one of the high privileges of the believer. The, the giving of thanks. Think about it. This is something you and I can do. First Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks. It's reiterated there. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, we might have a lot of questions about what God's will is. Lord, help me know your will, Brother Lamb. What would you think God's will? Here's something we know for sure, so let's do what we know to do. We might not know whether we should go to Europe or take this job or to be a missionary. You might be uh, struggling with specific areas or whatever decisions in your life, but let's clear up what we know. And he says, this is the will of God for you in everything to give thanks. So I can do that. That's very clear. Don't need any more light. I might need grace and do need grace to carry it out, but I need no more instruction. That's very clear. All of us can understand that. So what is it? Let's ask some questions here in this verse. What is it that we're to do? We're to give thanks. That offer, that sacrifice of thanksgiving. Why is it that we're so reluctant to do this? We're very quick to point out our needs. They uh, oppress us, don't they? We are hungry here or have lack in this department. And we know what our needs are uh, to, to mourn and complain about what it is we're lacking. Remember the ten lepers our Lord healed in Luke chapter 17? Gloriously, miraculously, completely healed. They had a death sentence on them. There was no cure for leprosy. They were ostracized from society, had to live apart from their families. It was a horrible, horrible pronouncement to be told that you had leprosy. Only one of them, though, amazingly, returned to the Lord to give him thanks. Now, it's hard for us to, to think about on this side of it. I mean, reading the story, it sounds very horrible for these ten men who were absolutely given a brand new life. Does this sound kind of familiar to you? Those who've been given a brand new life, released from the leprosy of sin. Uh, your, your whole future has now been changed. No more the, the burden and the ostr- being ostracized, cut off, uh, messed up, however you want to describe it, because of your sin. Jesus said, our Lord asked the question, were there not nine? Were there not ten that were cleansed? And he asked the question, but where are the nine? Now, it's not that Jesus didn't know who is he asking that question for? For us in the audience. We want to know, don't we? Where are those nine guys that were given new life? I asked the people of God tonight, where is our thankfulness? Where are we who've been forgiven debts we could never have paid? We've been have, have purchased a ticket purchased to a glorious future that you could never have earned. Where is our thanksgiving? Do we need help in jogging our memories about that? Well, of course we do, because over and over again, the psalmist has to remind us in that psalm that we read today, oh, that men would give praise. In every few verses, oh, that men would give praise. The Holy Spirit is saying, almost in a, a, a woeful way, because they're not. 
They should be. Look at what we've been delivered from. Look at what we've been set free from. Look at the, the blessings, the, the bountiful blessings that God has given us each day, moment by moment. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His wonderful works. Do we need help in jogging our memories this evening? We start at your, your kitchen table. That's a good place to start, isn't it? Go look in your pantry. Look in the mirror. You may say, oh, I don't want to look there. But <laughs> if you can look in the mirror and see a face looking back at you, you have health, you have life, you're, you're not in the grave. Look in the closet. Uh, some of you need to do that. <laughs> Clean it out. Get rid of some of that stuff. But look at the... You had choices. I don't know... They don't, no one in the sound of my voice didn't have a choice. Look in the closet. Go to the Psalms if you need help expressing your thanks. The poorest among us can give thanks to God and should. The, the feeblest among us can do that. Those who are sick here, you still have a gracious Heavenly Father that's allowed you what life you do have who has, has given you what, what, what health we do have. The sickest among us can give Him thanks. We can all praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. All creatures here below. You know why He has to specify that? Praise Him, you creatures here below. Because the creatures above are doing it. Incessantly and continuously, they're praising Him. Praise Him above, you heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so that's what we're to do. We're to give thanks. But secondly, we have a qualification here. You know, I like the hard verses. And what I mean by that, I like for the Lord to be very plain. And a verse like this, it's easy to preach because there's no misunderstanding of it. I mean, the language is clear. The words are few. It's very succinct. And I know what always means, don't you? Maybe kind of hard to define, but I know what it means. Always. This is the time of our thanksgiving. Pastor, when would be an appropriate time to give this sacrifice of praise, this psalm of thanksgiving? Always. You are never, there, you never have a pass not to thank the Lord, not to be in an attitude of gratitude and a, and a heart of thanksgiving. Not just the fourth Thursday in November, not just on the Lord's Day, which we're often reminded, there are all kinds of reminders, the scripture reading, the psalms that we sing, all remind us of our great God. But not just on the Lord's day, always on the worst day. The apostle leaves us with no doubt about when we should thanks, thank the Lord. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in what service state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed. I've been taught by my Heavenly Father to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do it too, can't I? Why? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, remind, remind ourselves that Paul is in prison when he says, not that I speak out of respect of won't, I want to say, yes, you are, Paul. You're in, you're in prison in a horrible, stench-filled moldy, horrible place with no, not one creature comfort. And if he ate anything, people had to bring it to him. Yeah, you're in want. But Paul wasn't looking at the want. And not that I'm speaking in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul had learned that if God has him in prison, that's where he needs to be. That's where he wants him. That is for his perfection, his sanctification, 
others' edification and for God's glory. Paul, you're right where you need to be. Now, most of us squirm at that because we don't like the discomfort of the circumstances of life. I have a prayer request. Pray that this is moved out of my life immediately. But God may say, no, I think you're right where you need to be right now. You need to be in a, between a rock and a hard place. That old saying says, you know why? Because you can't go anywhere else. When God presses you into a narrow place, you can hear him. And he can speak to you. You don't have a lot of leeway. You don't have a broad pasture to, to wander in or, 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 or places to get out from. God keeps you in that narrow place. Oh, thank the Lord that he is working in your life and he has you where he wants you to be. And if you're not where he wants you to be, get there. You don't have to be in the whale's belly, do you? You might be there tonight, but you don't have to be there. You can go to Nineveh and do what God wants you to do. Now, you have the choice. Well, I don't want to go to Nineveh, and I don't want you to be in the, the belly of the fish. I want to be in a uh, coastal area where the breezes are, are light and the, the sun is shining and all is bright and there's food on the table. But, you know, the Lord knows exactly what he wants to do with Chris Lamb. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. We're his people. We're his, he owns us, and he gets to tell us where to be, and it may be in a prison Remember, Psalm 68, verse 19 tells us, He daily loadeth us with benefits. Now, let me ask you a question here tonight. Could Paul quote that verse in the Philippian jail? Is Paul loaded with benefits? Oh, yes. Yes, he is. It might not be in the pantry or in the checkbook or in the closet, but God's benefits are not necessarily tangible his tangible benefits are only a tiny teeny weensy part of what he does for us do you know what tiny teeny that's itty bitty that's an iota that's only one part one speck of his loading of benefits now think about your lot in life whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well with my soul is it he teaches us to say that yes it is it is well with us tonight if you know the Lord as Savior. You have a glorious future, a bright prospect. When I watched that, I know it was just a, you know, an artist's rendition and, and nobody. But when I saw heaven appear, does your heart not just swell within you? That's where I'm going. I'm going to a land filled with light. No matter how dark it is here, no matter how deprived I may be here, no matter what my lot may be in this life, this isn't all there is to it. God is just getting me ready for what he has prepared for me. He's gone to prepare a place for me. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. This vile world is no friend of grace. We're here for a while at his bidding for however long he wants us to be here. And then the grand unveiling of eternity. Well, we have much to praise him for, don't we? He loads us. Think of the weightiness of salvation. Put that in the scale of eternity. Oh, there's no price tag that you can put on it. He, remember that the, the, Jeremiah tells us in Lamentations 3, verse 23, His mercies are new every morning. Makes you want to sing, doesn't it? Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, His hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. There are hidden blessings. There are tucked away provisions that we aren't even aware of. Oh, don't look to your bank account. Don't look to your calendar. 
Don't look to your tangible assets. Our assets cannot be put in a scale or on a, on, on a spreadsheet. Our blessings and provisions that we, don't even know, we won't even be made aware of until we stand before him complete. And we say, that's ours? Or that's what you did? Or that's what you kept me from? That's what you saved me out of? Oh, what we should thank him for. There are all the blessings of this life and the heaven that awaits us that we should be thankful for. So we're to give thanks. That's what we're to do. When? Help me out, church. All right, you're, you're getting there. And then, thirdly, for all things. Now, this is where some people will part ways with me. And uh, please don't, but if you do, I want to call you back and tell you it's in the Bible. So if you argue with me or says that's not right, you have to take that up with God because His Word says, and I'm preaching to my, please know that when I preach to you, you know who I'm preaching to, first of all? Chris Lamb needs this message tonight. That's why I'm preaching it. For all things. Would you say that with me? For all things. We should be like John Bradford during the reign of the terror of Queen Mary. Aren't you glad you're not living then? When reviled as a rebel, he said, I have no quarrel with the queen. If she releases me, I will thank her. If she imprisons me, I will thank her. If she burns me, I will thank her. Well, John Bradford got the message here, didn't he? In all things. You see, it wasn't Queen Mary that had his destiny in her hands. It was the Lord, the sovereign God of the universe. We should all have the mind of Eli. When the news came to him that God would take his sons in judgment, Eli said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. You know, it is the Lord who's in control. He can withhold or give or change the course of your life at any time that he wants to. He's sovereign. Please bow before that and worship him because of his sovereignty. He's not a puppet in heaven. He's not a man like we are. That he, we, he said, you made the mistake that you thought I was altogether like as you are. He is not capricious. Our God does all things well. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? If he will give us health, we will thank him for it. If he sends us sickness and puts us on a bed of affliction, I shared with someone recently, the scripture says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He has to make us because we wouldn't for any length of period of time. And sometimes God will even use that to teach us the treasures of his grace to show us the storehouses of provision that we could never see any other way. If he comes for Chris Lamb tonight, we will thank him for taking us to heaven, won't we? So if he lets us go, if he lets us stay here and enjoy these things, we thank him. If he withholds from us what we think we ought to have, can we thank him? Yes, we can. Because no good thing will he withhold from them that walks uprightly. And so if he withholds from me that which I think is good, guess what? It's not good for me. It may be good for that one. He may do it for that one. But for Chris Lamb, he may withhold certain things. And he's altogether justified and he is good in doing so. Has he blessed you with abundance? Thank him and ask him how you should disperse of it. Most people don't think of abundance or a raise or an unthought uh, of benefit is, okay, now, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Because this wasn't coming my way, and all of a sudden it's here. You're going to be given an answer for every provision from the Lord. Has he kept back from you something you wanted? 
thank him because he knows that it would ruin you or it's not what you need. It may not be a bad thing, but at this time and in your hands, at this, a, a, a weapon is not necessarily a bad thing, but in the wrong hands at the wrong time, the wrong age, it's not right. God knows what to do and what to give us and when to give it. An eight-year-old boy might want to drive the family car. It's not sinful to drive a car, but it's not appropriate or right or the right timing. In an eight-year-old boy's hands, that's not wise, is it? It's not right, and so that's not going to happen. So that will be withheld until an appropriate time. And I've seen some 38-year-old boys it wasn't time for them to drive, and some 48-year-old ones. It evidently wouldn't be good for you or the Lord wouldn't withhold it. Children may want to play with razors, but it's not, that's not, that's not, we keep it from them, don't we? we? We know what's best for our children. Let me ask you, is our Heavenly Father a good parent or a bad parent? Well, Brother Lamb, I can't believe you're asking such a question. He's a better parent than you and I could ever be. And if he withholds, it's best. If he gives, it's a, it's a trust, a sacred trust. And what is our responsibility? Thank him. Thank you, Lord. The fourth thing we see here, he tells us why, or the source. Unto God the Father, giving thanks, that's what we're to do, when, always, for what, all things, unto God the Father. Now, James says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Remember that if people give to, to you and, and help you, that God inclined their wants to you. You know, every good thing that comes your way, God is in the back of it. The king's heart is in the Lord's hand. His rivers of water, he turneth it with us so every will. You say, well, that just happened. It was just fortunate. Someone was nice to me. Who do you think pulled the heartstrings or caused the circumstances and laid it on their heart? We pray every day for God's provision here in the ministries. They're great. If you, uh, It's an amazing, the amount of, of money, and I don't dwell on that. I probably should do more of it because evidently some God, of God's people have not uh, shouldered the burden of supporting the Lord's work. But I will tell you this, that, that we pray that the Lord would lay on people's heart. This is a daily prayer of mine, that God would direct people uh, to give. And it's amazing how he does that. And many outside this fellowship who give sacrificially and amazingly to the work here. They, some from far off places. It always amazes me. People who, who live before we were ever on the internet. We had people in other states uh, to, to support very graciously WGIB. They must have lived here for a while, were greatly blessed because of it, and wanted to, to continue going. And some less, uh, give to the church who've never darkened the doors of this place. Why? They'll often have a note. We know what the work is there, what the Lord is doing, and we want to be a part of it. Well, who lays on their heart to do that? that? That's the Lord that does that. And we must remember that that whatever happens, God is in back of it. As a father, he gives us what is best out of a wise and all-knowing heart. He alone is the creator and the, the sustainer, the upholder, the provider for his chosen people. There's an old Jewish tradition that when God had made this world and the six days' work was over, he called the angels to behold it. And it was so beautiful that they sang for joy. Then the Lord asked them what they thought of the work of his hands. And one of them replied that it was so vast 
and so perfect that there should be created clear, loud, melodious voice which should fill all the quarters of the world with its sweet sound and day and night offer thanksgiving to the Creator for His incomparable blessings. Well, that angel uh, was wise and we ought to be that voice. God's people should always be continually, there should never be a moment, a second on this earth that praises are not redounding to the glory of God. If the angels are consumed with giving Him thanks in heaven, shouldn't we do our part here on earth? We should lend our voice. There's the story of a small boy bringing home a loaf of bread, and someone asked him, what, what have you there? And he said, well, I've got a, a loaf of bread. He said, where did you get it? From the baker. Where did the baker get it? He made it. What did he make it of? Flour. Where did he get the flour? From the miller. Well, where did the miller get it? From the farmer. Where did the farmer get it? From the, the, then, about then, the truth dawned in the, the lad's mind. He said, well, he got it from God. Well, then, from whom did you get the bread? Oh, well, I got it from God. And that's the majority of our thinking, that we, we, we connect the tangible and intangible blessings with others around us, but the source and back of it all is God. We're to give thanks uh, to the Lord. You're the children of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we give thanks to Him. Not only... Uh, unto the God the Father. But look what he tells us, lastly, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ opens the door for all the blessings of God. That's why we, when we come to the Father, we come to him in prayer in the name of the Son. That's not just a, 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 a rigmarole. That is stating, literally, our provision. God the Father is the source of every blessing, and he showers his blessings to us by and because of the work of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how we're taught to pray. That's why we're to address every prayer to the Father in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we're always to approach the Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because He opened the way. I was reading this afternoon in John where it says, And when all these things were accomplished, He was dying on the cross. When all these things were accomplished, and I was just thinking the great veil was about to rent in the temple, opening the way that we can boldly come before the throne of grace. He is the door, the fount of every blessing. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly. Isn't it amazing that we, frail, fallen humans, are commanded to come boldly to the throne of grace? I take it that God doesn't like mealy-mouthed, wishy-washy people praying. Now, humility is not, not without boldness. Where do we get the boldness? Does He not tell us? Come boldly. Come and make your request known. Tell the Lord what you need that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help me in time of need. This is the only possible way to approach the Almighty God. Poor, defiled, rebellious sinners may not approach Him in any other manner. We read in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. My shepherd will supply my need. Jehovah is his name. 
In pastures fresh, he makes me feed beside the living stream. He brings my wandering spirit back when I forsake his way and leads me for his mercy's sake in paths of truth and grace. When I walk through the shades of death, thy presence is my stay. A word of thy supporting breath drives all my fears away. Thy hand in sight of all my foes doth still my table spread. My cup with blessings overflows. Thine oil anoints my head. The sure provisions of my God attend me all my days. Oh, may thy house be mine abode and all my work be praised. There would I find a settled rest while others go and come. No more a stranger or a guest, but like a child at home. Well, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, how your word feeds us, how it instructs us and teaches us. We pause at the end of this Lord's Day, privileged, blessed that we are your children, that we have your provisions for us, all that you've done. Oh, Lord, we're, we're so rich. You have loaded us with benefits. Lord, as we close this service tonight, we pray for those who, who need our prayers. We pray for your hand of healing upon Patty Raymond. Lord, raise her up and, and cause her body to be healed. We ask you to work in her life as only you can. We pray for uh, Tammy Nicholson and the homegoing of her mother that you'd bless and comfort her heart. And we pray for... Alan Smith and his wife Sonia, Alan's father, is very near homegoing. And there are others here, Lord, with burdens and requests. And Lord, we just, first of all, thank you that things are as well as they are. And we ask that you to meet every need and give supplies of your grace. In Jesus' precious name, amen.